Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Tuesday, July the 25th, 2023. It is the Feast of St. James and also the 16th Tuesday in Ordinary Time. Our reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. The mother of the sons of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons and did him homage, wishing to ask him for something. He said to her, What do you wish? She answered him, Command that these two sons of mine sit, one at your right and the other at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus said in reply, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the chalice that I am going to drink? They said to him, We can. He replied, My chalice you will indeed drink. But to sit at my right and at my left, this is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus summoned them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just so the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what is it with moms? Oh my goodness, they can be so embarrassing sometimes. (laughs) She loves her son so much, and she sees how they love Jesus, and they follow him so faithfully, that she wants to make sure they have future security. Sit at the right hand of Jesus and the left hand of Jesus in heaven. Now, there is one little question here. Do they fully understand who he is? 100%. Do they realize he is the eternal son of the father, sitting at the right hand of the father? Therefore, and Jesus' left is the father. So, yeah, nobody can sit right there. Later on, we're going to see in the book of Revelation that there is a court of 12, actually 24, around the throne, around the altar in heaven. So technically, yes, they are sitting both at his right and his left, depending which side of the circle you're looking from. Uh, What's even funny, well, funny, I don't know, I throw that word around a lot. Interesting is another thing that's interesting about that is that John is seeing the 24 elders representing the apostles and the 12, uh, you know, sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. John is seeing them while he's on earth, and yet he sits on one of those thrones. So that's interesting. I wonder if John saw an empty seat there or if he saw himself in heaven. Um, Once again, interesting. So this gospel passage, although, yes, it makes us think about heaven, it makes us think about reward. Another thing that's funny, interesting, ironic is that these men at this point, even though they love Jesus and they're good disciples, they don't get it yet. They're obviously not going to get it yet because they're going to abandon Jesus when he's arrested. John will go back to the cross. James won't. And even in their early days as apostles, they're going to need the Holy Spirit. They're going to need direction. So at this point, they are not ready yet to drink of any chalice. And when they say, yes, we can, well, Jesus says, yes, you will. But man, it's going to be so different then. You're going to be filled with the spirit. You're going to be able to do it because of me. Jesus will give them the grace. John will, and John and James both are very devoted to Our Lady. 
Uh, James, we know later on, will see Mary in a vision while she's still alive on earth. It's her first apparition. He's going to be all the way over in Spain. And we have, um, there are historical records of this. There are actually uh, remnants of this experience. St. James built a church in Spain. And there's, it's called Our Lady of the Pillar. There's a whole story there that's amazing. I have, yeah, that's one shrine I would love to visit. And yes, uh, Santiago de Compostela. So he built a shrine to Our Lady over in Spain. He built uh, basically a church in Spain. And then Mary appeared and said, come back to Jerusalem. He came back to Jerusalem and then he was martyred. Wow. Talk about moms. Once again, <laughs> she's, she's see Mary is literally, it's the opposite of James's earthly mother. Their earthly mother wants all these honors for her son. Whereas Mary really genuinely is giving James the crown in heaven, the throne in heaven by saying, come back. And then he's martyred when he gets back. So he does not get earthly honors, but he pays the ultimate price of being a servant. And then we know that's martyrdom. We know he will have a crown and a throne in heaven. Whereas John, John is the one who lives with Mary. John is the one given who's yes, given to Mary. Mary is given to him. Also, Mary is given to all of us through John at the foot of the cross. John is faithful. So once again, these apostles show tremendous faithfulness. John will go on and do amazing things. Uh, so many amazing things. And they try to martyr him and he won't die because Jesus still has more plans for him. He goes to Patmos. He writes the book of Revelation. He sees the great vision. And then ultimately, at the end of his life, when he's an old man, he completes his gospel, which is a much more deep and mature gospel than the other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And um, in the book of Revelation, it talks about a scroll that needs to be opened and um, very often, I mean, that's a whole teaching in and of itself, but very often uh, scholars will say, great scholars will say that that scroll is in fact John's gospel, the gospel according to St. John, giving us this deeper understanding of Jesus, who he is and his relationship with his father. A theme that comes out of this that Jesus talks about at the end is service. The greatest will be the servant's. Those who, and this is a constant theme. It's, it's in Mary's Magnificat. Jesus talks about it all over. It's in the, the Old Testament, this constant theme of the first will be the last, the last will be the first. I have a friend who has a very difficult job right now. And some of his, um, some of the people that are over him give him like the hardest jobs to do. And he really works very hard. And it's, there's like this um, menial kind of labor. It's, you know, this service that he's performing for his job, even though he feels sometimes that uh, he's above all this. But when he's doing that and, and sometimes his superiors are trying to make him, uh, you know, look bad, like, oh, look at him. He's cleaning up dirt. He's cleaning up trash. He's cleaning up people's mess, whatever. There's others that are constantly coming up to him saying, wow, you know, we know that you have greater gifts than this. You don't have to be doing this, but you're doing it. And then he's getting all these compliments and, and just all, all these people. It's just funny how things work out. And, 
you know, I think about like in the church, you know, um, we, it, we're, you know, we're taught to respect priests. We're taught to respect bishops. And even we have a respect for whoever is in leadership, Knights of Columbus and the parish council and this and that. And yeah, there's value to that. There's value to the office. There's value to, especially if one is ordained to be a certain thing. Yet at the same time, I think we all have the same experience that, I mean, we know those priests and bishops, for example, or sisters, for example, we know the ones who uh, are just prima donnas that love to be in authority versus the ones that get their hands dirty and work hard and are true servants. And in the end, those are the ones that get more respect. And in the end, those are the ones that are going to have the greater reward in heaven. And those are the ones that we need to be imitating. I think of my uh, grade school principal, Sister Mary. <laughs> At the time, we hated her. But you know what? As I look back, I still remained friends with her. She died not too long ago. But we had so much more respect for her later when we grew a little older and matured a little ourselves to see like, man, she was always working hard. And man, she loved that school and she loved us. You go over there on a Saturday. She was she didn't have her her dress habit on. She had like her work. Yeah, I guess you'd call it the work habit. And she'd be scrubbing a floor, scrubbing a toilet, you know, and, and that's where she was. She was a servant, which just showed us. And, and, you know, when you talk to her outside of the school context, she was always talking about Jesus. She was always talking about her faith. She was a true servant. So this is what our Lord is trying to teach us, that those who serve and ultimately those that are going to pay the, the price of their lives. But there's a lot of there. We call it mar white martyrdom. There's a lot of ways to be martyrs for the faith. Those will have the greatest reward. Those are closest to Jesus. You know why? And we see this again and again. Look at people like a Mother Teresa or a Pope John Paul. Yeah, they were famous and they had all these audiences with world leaders. But look at how hard they worked. Look at the sacrifices that they made. Look at how much they suffered. If you really look closely at their lives. So this is where it is. This is where true greatness lies. And it goes back to our Lord himself. He, if you, you know, just watch the movie, the passion of the Christ. It's probably the best thing out there that gives us an insight into what he went through. He earned the right to be king of the world. Never mind, He's already king of heaven. But he conquered the earth and he conquered sin and death because of his enduring torture and death. Greater love has no man than he who lays down his life for his friends. Jesus was referring first to himself. So we ask our Lord that we may interiorize this message, that we may become humble, that we may become true servants for true greatness lies in the service of others. Hope everybody has a great day. God bless you.